Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. As you're taking your seats, you can turn to Luke chapter 6. So this is week three in our series called Just So You Know, the objectives of our local church. So we started with saying objective one for us was we want to spread the message. And then last week we talked about shepherding each other to maturity. And today we're talking about strategically multiplying our ministry. Strategically multiplying our ministry. We want to continue to identify and develop leaders who do What we've talked about, spread the message, who shepherd each other to maturity, who serve our community. Jermaine's going to, God willing, talk about that next week, who support existing churches. We're not saying we can do it all. There's other churches doing really good things that need brothers to come along and sisters come alongside them. And we want to raise up people who may start other churches. But strategically multiplying your ministry is like getting a mortgage. There's a process, right? You don't just walk in and they're like, yeah, you want, a, want, you want a million dollars? Like, here you go. There's a process. And we actually see this process of strategic multiplication in the ministry of Jesus. And I'm going to give you the first one. It starts with praying. In Luke 6, verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. See, Jesus is about to make a very big decision. But before he does anything, he prays. See, a lot of people, when they have a major choice in front of them, do you know what they start with? They start with planning before praying. Not Jesus, though. He's like, I've got a big choice to make. And the first thing he does is that he prays before he picks. It says that He continued all night in prayer. I want to tell you, if you got a big move to make in your life, make sure that you've actually taken some time to pray. So he continued all night. What did I tell you? He put in the work. See, some of us were like, I got a big thing I got to decide on. We're just like, Jesus, can you help me? Like two minutes. Have you labored in prayer for that answer? Have you patiently cried out to God, I I need an answer from you. It's not coming yet, but it's, you know, I've only prayed for a week. I'm going to keep going. He continued all night in prayer. Prayer is the work. See, when we we say, when we pray as a church, we're saying strategic multiplication. When we sit down, we take our time and say, we're going to start with prayer. We're saying strategic multiplication happens by the direction and wisdom of God. It's not our creativity. It all comes from God. And notice in the text it says that he went out to the mountain. He went to the mountain. What did that tell you? It was strategic. He got away from the noise. He got away from the crowd. People are following him. Remember, Jesus got all kinds of people around him. He's like, you know what? I need a minute here. He got away from the people and he says, I'm going to focus on God. Let me give you a way to bless our church this week. 
Because sometimes we're like, how can I minister to the church? How can I? You know, it seems like Marv gets, is the only one who gets to do that. Here's a way you can minister to our church this week. Turn off Disney Plus. Turn down the... Mina's like, I don't have that. Turn, get off the Peloton. I know at least one of you has one. Turn off the noise. And just give yourself to prayer for our church. And say, I'm just going to pray for that, that maybe the, the, the multiplication that needs to happen might happen through me. Maybe that's me. Just take a moment to pray and pray that we would be a church that prays. That says, before we move, before we do anything, we're going to pray and we're going to ask God for his help. Because it comes from him. I want you to know, your prayers have a place in God's plan for our church. Let me say it again. Your prayers have a place in God's plan for our church. When you lift your voice to the king on behalf of your brothers and sisters here, you're not wasting your time. So give yourselves to it. Here's this next one. It moves to selecting. Strategic multiplication moves to selecting. Look at verse 13. And when they came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Let me tell you something about these brothers. They're flawed fellas. But when Jesus chooses them, you know what it is? He notices what they could become. Let me give you a principle for discipleship. When you're looking at a person, don't get stuck about where they are now. Think about where they could be a year from now. So many times we look at people and we're like, ah, and we get stuck not thinking about what God could do in them through your influence or the influence of others. Here's the next one. He selected a few. Remember, large crowd took 12. Here's another principle for discipleship. You don't need a big audience to have big influence. So many people who do my role, all they want is a big audience. So they feel good about themselves. And Jesus is like, I'm good with a small audience because that's the way you get big influence. And so strategic multiplication doesn't mean you have to disciple 100 people. It means you select a few. Build, don't worry, Des. He's just saying amen. Let him go. It's all right. Let me just say this, okay? We are a church that loves life. So when the babies lift their voices up in the, in, inside, you know, a, a worship service, don't sweat it, parents. Just follow along. We thank God that you have chosen the hardest piece of sanctification on earth. So it's all good. Relax. It's a family. If they lift their voices up, just follow them. Give yourself to a few and teach them to do the same. Jesus brought these brothers close, spent time with them. He answered their questions. Just read the Gospels. He showed them how to love and to lead. He taught them how to minister. When you watch, Jesus is like, men and women all get the love. Nobody is left out. We minister to all types of people. We're going to the Gentiles and we're going to the Jews. Nobody gets skipped over. And he challenged them. And here's the thing. He did it for three years. Let me give you another principle for discipleship and leadership. Do not rush people along. 
Again, sometimes we're like, oh, we want to multiply, we want to get big, and we start putting people in places, and you're like, you have no business doing that. And then somebody stands up here, and what do they say? Oh, it's strategy. It's vision. We're just doing, how, we're just doing what God is you know, leading us. No, you're forcing things along. You're trying to manufacture growth rather than trusting God with that. And so you don't rush people along. See, some young leaders, some aspiring leaders, you know what they're doing? They're like Simba. They're singing, oh, I just can't wait to be king. And what you really realize is they don't understand the weight of leadership. They don't understand what they're really singing about. They don't understand what they're really aspiring to. See, when you go slow, it gives that aspiring leader, when you take your time, it gives them a chance to learn that leadership is stewardship. It gives them a chance to grow in their understanding of people. So many people who are leading don't know anything about people. They know all kinds of strategy, nothing about people. And then all kinds of people get hurt in the wake. It gives them a chance when you go slow to see their character. Let me tell you, over time, when you watch the disciples, you realize there's a big difference between Peter and Judas. Time. Character comes up. And so we wait and we move slow. Let me say this. Going slow is a principle for leadership, but it's also a principle for life and living. It's also, oh, he said preach. Did you hear that? It's also a principle for living. Let me just say this. Do not rush things in your life. So many people, they rush and they end up with regret. And now to balance that, if you're in that spot, you're like, I'm in, a lot, I'm in that place of regret. Tell us. Because we understand that, that those things happen and we want to help. We want to support. But if you're in that spot where you're like, you know, I'm just thinking about making a decision. Slow down. What's the hurry? Your salvation's intact. And just don't, don't just go chasing that thing that the culture says you have to have and make a mess of things. Slow down. Take your time. Follow Jesus. He didn't rush, and we shouldn't either. He called the 12, it says. Jesus was a man with a plan and a vision. He called these brothers because he's like, hey, I'm not going to be here the whole time. And so when he calls them to himself, it's, he's saying that when I'm gone, there's somebody to carry the work on. And so when a church specifically dis disciples some specific people in a specific way, they're actually following the man with the plan and the man with the vision. That they're, 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 make, they're thinking about the future. They're making sure that at some point this work could carry on. Let me say another thing about this text. This text reminds you, when you look at Jesus, when he selects these guys, it reminds you, you shouldn't just live for now. Oh yeah, it's cold outside, but it's warm in here. You shouldn't just live for now. Jesus makes a decision because he's thinking about later. 
And so in your life, you need to be the kind of person who makes moves now that benefit you and others later. And so many times in our life, all we're thinking about is now. And the thing you're doing now, it says you have no foresight about what is to come. But wise people who are living like Jesus Christ says, this action that I'm deciding, this thing that I am choosing is going to bless me later. And I'm going to wait. Delayed gratification is a good thing. And you live in a culture that's like, you need it now, get it now. And then when you're a mess, nobody's around. But you look at Jesus and he's like, I'm taking my time. I'm being strategic. I'm thinking about when I'm not here. There's a word for parents. What are you doing now? With the thought of blessing your kids later. So that they benefit when you're not there. Be wise in every area of your life. Here's this last one. It continues through deploying. Strategic multiplication continues through deploying. Turn over to Luke 9. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're there, say, I'm there. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He gave them authority. You notice that? He entrusted to them what belongs to him. Every leader is just holding on and stewarding what belongs to Jesus, and Jesus sends them to be a blessing, not to be abusive. He sent them, it says. He gave them an opportunity. He sent them. See, some leaders never do this. They never give opportunities. And here's some of the thinking. Some of them are like, nobody else can do it as good as me. Therefore, I should do it all. That's called pride. Here's the other one. Some of them are worried somebody might do it better. Yes, it's called fear and pride. Here's the other one. Some of them are worried that people might mess up, but they've forgotten the power of the Holy Spirit in the person's life. If you give no opportunities, you won't reproduce leaders. If you give no opportunities, you're limiting the chance to encourage, train, and disciple. When somebody gets up and does something, then you go alongside, hey, that's all right. Here's a couple things you could, that happened a ton for me. Just come down and they're like, hey, Marv, you know, you know, the first five minutes, okay. The last 10, brother, we got to talk. That's okay. You grow from that. You give no opportunities. You're missing out on your chance to be sanctified. Because there's a way you have to talk to the person when you're doing follow-up that requires gentleness, love, and respect, kindness. I'm here to help you, not hurt you. If you give no opportunities, you stifle innovation. People do things differently. Think creatively, different kind of brain. If you give no opportunities, you won't see the gospel expressed through different personalities. 
Did you hear what I said? You will not see the gospel expressed through different personalities. We're not all the same. Thank God. There's differences. And, but, and the gospel flows out of us differently. And other people are like, oh, I, just, I can receive that person better than that person. That's okay. I know some weeks all of you aren't walking out here like, ah, Marv killed it. Sometimes you're like, mm, I wish Jermaine was up there. That's, I'm good with it. I'll just go play Xbox. That's fine. The gospel needs to be expressed. It's good. It's healthy. That's why we give opportunities. Now, we are a church that we want to do that. We want to get, and we, and we have. But let me tell you something. If you're receiving the opportunity, if you're getting that now or maybe later, I want to tell you three things. You're doing it for the benefit of others. Look at verse 2. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. He sent them to help people spiritually and physically. Now, I want you to notice something here. Jesus cares about our spiritual and our physical. He cares about both. He sends them to do balanced ministry. And again, God willing, next week, Jermaine's going to lead us through the word, and we're going to talk about that. How do we serve inside our community and in our local neighborhood? Because Jesus cares about both. If we are in a neighborhood like this, and all we ever do is convene in here and never out there and help, the light will not shine. And there are some churches that all they want to do is duck their head and hope for Jesus to come back. That's not us. We want to get out on the block. Benevolence and the block. Look at that. Two Bs right there. Inside and out, we want to serve the community. We do it for the benefit of others because Jesus, I'm telling you, for the longest time, one of the things, I didn't become a Christian until I was 25, and one, I've said this before, one of, the longest, one of the things that kept me out of church was because we were struggling. Single mother raising four kids, working multiple jobs, putting herself through school at York University. And I, honestly, it was just hollow to always hear, Jesus loves you and he wants you to go to heaven. I'm like, yeah, we got no lights on at home. Both are important. We want to spread the gospel, yes. But we also want to look and say, do you have a need there? Because that's what we see with the Savior. To proclaim the kingdom gave them a chance to believe the gospel. To heal changed their physical situation. Both matter to him. Here's this next one, if you're getting the opportunity. We have to trust God to provide. Look at verse 3. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and do not have two tunics. Now you look at that and you're like, come on, Jesus. You could have took a tunic. I mean, what if a brother gets cold? Look outside. Am I the only one praying for winter? I'm ready for barbecue season, right? But you're like, come on, Jesus. It could have took a tunic. He's like, No. I want you trusting. Here's a reason. Here's, here's why Jesus can say this. Jesus has seen God provide. You know that? He's like, you can trust because God will provide. Let me show you. Go back. Chapter 8. 
Verse 1 in chapter 8, it says, Soon afterward, he went through the cities and the villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news. Don't you love Jesus? He doesn't call you to do anything he didn't do himself. Proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had healed who he had healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, and from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuza, I'm saying it how I want, I don't even know if that's how you say it, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provide for them out of their means. Here's an opportunity to give thanks for the women in the ministry of Jesus. It says, these women, from the time of Jesus until now, one of the blessings of the church has been women. Sometimes leading the way while the brothers are like, I don't know what to do. And God worked powerfully through them to provide. And so when you read a text like this, you should give thanks. For all, you are, you are standing, sitting here. You will be standing in a couple minutes singing because God has worked through women to advance the gospel in the world. And, and sometimes as a church, we forget that. And then they're just kind of put to the side, not realizing that one of the benefits and blessing has been the women God has raised up and used to advance his work in the world. And here's something to keep praying for, that that would continue to happen from here. They provided for him out of their means. Here's the thing to take from this also. Strategic deployment, sending, giving opportunities is an opportunity to live by faith. It's an opportunity to see God come through. Again, sometimes we get opportunities, we're like, I'm terrified. Good. You know, the basketball team I coach, sometimes they're like, coach, I'm nervous. I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing. If you weren't nervous, I didn't think you'd care. It's good. And just trust that God is going to come through. Trust that God is going to carry you through that thing. This last one. We need to be prepared for opposition. When you're deployed, when you're given an opportunity, you need to be prepared for opposition. Turn over to Luke 10. Or scroll there. Chapter 10, verse, it says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two. It's nice to be in op- when you face opposition that you got a brother or sister next to you, right? Two by two. See, Jesus is thinking about everything. Two by two. In every town and every place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful. There's still lots of people left to come in. But the laborers are few. Jesus wants you praying while you're working. It says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. And we know from reading all the way into 1 Corinthians that our labor is never in vain when we're in the harvest, right? Go on your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs. That phrase, lambs, reminds us that as we go, as we spread the message, as we shepherd, all these things, as we serve our community, all these things we want to do, support other churches, start churches, as lambs, we're supposed to do it with gentleness. 
I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. It's not all love in the Starbucks. I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. What that, that tells you that there's people out there under the influence of Satan trying to stop the work. Trying to stop the work. Sometimes you, don't you, don't you see opposition? Sometimes you're like, that doesn't seem normal. Because there's a reality that there's a demonic influence to this world. And sometimes we look at people and we're like, oh, they're the enemy. No, they're victims of the enemy. Under the influence of Satan, doing things that they're not even really thinking about. Satan trying to stop the work from advancing. But let me tell you, even though Satan is working, he can't stop the kingdom from advancing. Right? I've said it before. Jesus is like a young Mike Tyson, just giving body blows, right? Boom, to Satan. You can't stop kingdom growth, right, Regimen? Because you can't stop the king. That is why we want to strategically multiply our ministry. I'm bringing it all home to you. Because Satan can do nothing. He can attack. He can hurt a little bit. But when you're in Christ, he can't destroy you. And so we want to strategically event. We want to strategically multiply because he's out there working and destroying lives. But I told you, there's steps in the process. Remember I started with that? But here's what I want to tell you. The process works. There's steps in the process, but the process works. I know this. Sons, you can come now if you want. I know this. I know the process works because our church exists. I wouldn't be standing here talking about objectives and all those kinds of things if the process didn't work. We would just be wasting our time. The process actually works. 2,000 years ago, think about this. Jesus prayed, he selected, he discipled, and he deployed. And you know what's happened? The gospel's been on the move ever since. The process works. Here's the thing. That is why we're not reinventing the wheel. That's what... Look at how strategic we are. We're just going to pray like Jesus. We're going we're to look at some people saying, it seems like God is doing sort of a special thing in your life. Let's get you close. Disciple you. Get to know you. You can talk back and forth to us. We are all being refined in this process. And then we're going to let you go. And just see what God does through that. Here's why. And if someone's like, why are you doing that? It's because it's what Jesus did. And sometimes we live in a world where everyone's like, oh, we got to get new innovation. We got to be like new strategies. You're like, how about we just read the Gospels? Trying to be so innovative, you've forgotten about the simplicity of what Jesus did. He prayed, he selected, he discipled, he deployed. We're just going to try to do the same thing by the power of the Spirit, trusting that as we do that, God is going to work while we work. That lives are going to be changed and transformed. That the gospel light is actually going to shine very brightly. And here's the very crucial thing. In all of it, keeping Jesus at the center of it all. So, I'm not going to lie to you. 
we sort of, our church sort of came out of a sort of a bigger movement that sometimes, and I've been guilty of it myself, we were like, it's all about Jesus. And then when you looked really underneath, it was all about us. And it was bigness for the sake of bigness. And it wasn't all bad, trust me, because our church wouldn't exist if there wasn't some good things in it. So let's be balanced. But there is something in the North American church world that seems to be that it's just like, it's just bigger, it's just bigger, it's just bigger. And it's always like, it's just about, it's about Jesus. And when you look close, you're like, it's not. It's actually about you guys. And here, humbly, here's something I want to say to you. Pray that that would never be us. That when we say it's about Jesus, that we would keep it that way. And if you, again, if you see that us drifting away, part of your responsibility as a member of the flock is to speak up and say, where are we going? Because we said he's the center. Let's stay there. Because when Jesus is at the center of it all, it means we're pushing the right message. We're pushing the person who can actually change lives, who can save people who can love them and walk with them, who can shepherd them to maturity and get them home to glory. That's what we want. That's what we're going for. Let's stand and pray. God, we give you thanks for your word because it gives us all that we need. Lord God, we can look into it and we can find principles for how to multiply our ministry, yes, but also principles for living. I pray, Father, that we would have heard that today. And we give you thanks for your son, Jesus Christ, who we want to keep at the center. It's truly all about him. He's the one that changes lives. He's the one that works while we work truly and powerfully. We can't change hearts. We can only point to the Savior. We can shepherd each other to maturity, yes, only by pointing to the truth of you and how you have lived. We can serve in our community, Lord God, only by following your strategy and what you've done. And so I pray that you would be merciful to our little flock, Lord God. That we'd keep our eyes on the King. That we'd keep him at the center as we look to multiply. And we pray, Lord God, that you would multiply our work in your perfect timing. We'd be patient. We would trust it. We would let you lead, Lord God, how you want. You build it. This is your thing. Help us to lift our voice now in song, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.